Welcome everybody to another episode of About That, and this time we are going to be speaking to Darby Latshaw, who is uh, in her early 40s and is beginning a second career, shall we say. She was a musician and a mom in her previous life, that's carried over <laughs> into this one, yes. but she is now going to be a full-blown therapist. She's already had uh, 3,000 hours of clinical experience, and we're going to be talking about some very interesting things for all of you out there listening to this podcast because well social media affects us all including most definitely you listeners out there who are listening to this online or on your devices so Darby, first tell us how did you get into this new field and why why go into psychology or therapy i think ever since i was small i've been interested in in people and making a connection with people and understanding why people do what they do. And then I got married young. I had children young. I am originally from Delaware. And so that was a big part of the culture there. And then as my kids got older, it's what I was really drawn to. I, I found myself reading psychological material for fun. And I think that's how you know what you should be doing with your life. Right, right. <laughs> and you were saying that you, you found it, particularly with this kind of a calling or a profession, mm-hmm. the experience that's come before is most valuable. Absolutely. So it's almost better to come to it later in life. I feel like for me, absolutely. Um, and I... I think just the ex- the life experience that you can bring, the the self reflection, um, the wisdom that you gain along the way, you can bring that all into the profession of psychology and on being a therapist. Absolutely. So a lot of the people I went to graduate school with, this was a second career, and it is kind of like that whole idea of the first forty years. You're kind of outward, and then at forty, you start turning inward and kind of realizing a little more what your what your soul wants to do and your passion so how has made a difference to you then as you said you know for those of us who are in our 40s in this particular time in the world Mm -hmm. where social media plays such a prominent role how does that affect them for example particularly in this field that you're going into mental health Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I can imagine that it, it, it has quite an effect on a lot of people nowadays in terms of their anxiety oh levels, goodness, their stress yes. levels, uh, even feelings of loneliness. Absolutely. It's huge. Um, and it's something that is just now beginning to be researched and studied because it's something that affects all of us all the time now. There's so much that could be said about how social media affects people. One huge area is like you said anxiety and there is you know social media anxiety specifically which is related to something that humans have struggled with forever which is social anxiety just good old-fashioned social anxiety which is a real fear of being evaluated by others a fear of being evaluated negatively in social situations and so here we have social media and you're being publicly evaluated all the time, 24-7, how many likes do you have, how many followers, how many retweets, and watching what other people are doing, constantly seeing what you might not have been invited to, the fear of missing out. There, There are so many aspects of this that really affect people deeply and their 
way of evaluating themselves and watching how they're constantly being evaluated by others all the time. Because now you can quantify your yes. popularity, can't you? Oh and my goodness. Yeah. By numbers. I mean, it, it, you can really, you really can quantify it. How many likes, how many retweets, how many followers, how many friends. And sometimes it really, people continue to, you know, their anxiety grows and they have to stay connected to checking these things. There's actually also scientific evidence, right, of how this affects a brain or how it affects a person. I, I read somewhere about some sort of uh, enzyme or a hormone that gets released from the anxiety of, of... I mean, I think there's so much going on with our physiology having to do with anxiety. So let's just say that also, as far as an addictive behavior, I mean, there are a couple different things that might be going on. Course, if someone's yeah. addictively checking their phone and kind of has a compulsion to see did I you know how many people liked this how many how many friends do I have there's a compulsion and kind of that chemical anxiety that builds up in your body you cannot settle down until you okay I check okay you know checking in with how you're being evaluated online and then there's a whole other a whole other aspect of this which is that I think social uh, social media can bring up old trauma actually that exists in our in our brains in our in our nervous systems especially if people were uh, such as could you give me some sure like, uh... well one thing is an attachment trauma let's just say that you know you're extremely lonely and feel very isolated and have trouble with you know having a secure attachment with people or feeling connected and related to others if you're constantly judging oh wow I don't have those same connections in my life that maybe others do other people seem happy it can kind of tap into that very lonely existentially lonely place uh, well that all of us have in, in one way or another but if that was something that was repeatedly a part of one's history growing up it's going to tap into that primitive fear oh my goodness I don't have what I need and other people have it and I don't I'm I'm alone I'm isolated I'm not connected as much as other people are so it could physiologically respond uh like like a trauma, like you're alone in the world. Do you think this affects mostly uh, the millennials, as I said, the people in their teens and their 20s, or is it uh, most social media users are at risk of this? Have you noticed a difference in, let's say, the usage factor of by generation? You know, it's interesting. I think it affects a lot of people, but in different ways. I think generationally, there are a couple of different things going on. The millennials, I think, are trying to develop their identity in real time, online, being observed by everyone. And that creates a very specific way of being in the world. You know, I'm 43. We didn't grow up as adolescents with anyone. You know, maybe we had pictures that we took, but we had to take them down and get them developed. We regret. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but you could hide them and tear them up. Right. And now, if you post something online, it could be out there forever and ever and ever. So there's a lot to contend with depending on where you are developmentally. You know, millennials are growing up with this and they have to navigate something. And then we who are in our 40s are using social media, having some similar experiences of, you know, some of those midlife crisis issues having to do with identity and attachment, comparing our lives to others, where we stand and still being evaluated at a different stage of life, not adolescence, but at right. midlife. And so that 
that's going to bring up a whole other set of issues. And one thing that I think is interesting is that I kind of like to watch what things on social media especially trigger me so or activate me. So if something makes me feel especially upset, I like to kind of go in, into myself and be curious about that with compassion. Like, what, why did that, right. why did that yeah. make me feel upset inside? And, and you know, it, it, it's, it's something that I can use as kind of a self-reflective tool. But at other times, it can really just make people feel extremely dysregulated to see things they weren't invited to or ways of being that other people might have it quote unquote all together and you know have this dream life and then you're comparing yourself and this could spiral in so many directions as far as anxiety that it can cause for people how how do you cope then or how do you guide your children in terms of their relation with social media their relationship with that and how that shapes their reality or how they develop uh, their perspective on the world That's something that concerns me a lot for my own children and for my teen clients and young clients is kind of how to understand something that is all around me, but that I didn't grow up with and experience myself as a child. But it affects me now. And I would say with my kids, I hope that they still value true human connection, face-to-face presence, and all of those things that I think people need developmentally to to develop healthy relationships, while not discounting that you can really be connected to someone online and have connection and relationship, but that's very different from that desire to sit with someone, physically sit next to someone, physically be present with someone, not be on your technology, not be checking this and that. So I think that's one thing that I'm kind of paying attention to with my kids that maybe kind of trying to help them navigate that even though sometimes it is a little anxiety producing to actually be with people as opposed to sitting in your room by yourself, right. you know, hiding yeah. behind your screen. I mean, not to pathologize it, but it can you can it, it can feel safe to just kind of be alone behind a screen. But that's being alone behind a screen looking for connections. Yes. That in a way aren't really tangible. It, it's almost a very lonely exercise when you when you frame it like that, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that those, you know, there are some pretty existential questions that it can it can bring about because you can be communicating with someone over social media or online and that's very real and very true. Yes. But then there is that kind of that need, I think, that we do have as humans to physically be present with each other and, you know, how to continue to stress the importance of that to this generation. How do you do it with your kids? Are there rules at home, for example, at the dinner table, all the phones, put them aside? Yes, at the dinner table, all the phones aside. I'll be honest, it's really hard to navigate because this is how our kids connect with their generation. So I want to help them kind of stay connected to, you know, things that are my own personal values while also making space for their values. I mean, they want to be connected and up to date on what's going on right now. And that is a big part of being connected to their generation. And at the same time, you know, I do have conversations with them a lot about, okay, no technology right now. We're going to be present. We're going to have a real conversation. Let's make eye contact. You know, (laughs) I want to look you in the eyes while we're talking. I want to sit next to you. I want to, 
have a conversation without any screens in front of us right now. How young are your kids? Actually, my my daughter just turned 18 and my son just turned is about to turn 15. So we're really in the throes of this. What are their dreams? Because I understand like for many people of that age, it's like, oh, well, I want to be an Internet millionaire or, you know, if I can get this many followers, I can just live off of Instagram. Right. (laughs) It's interesting because um, my daughter is kind of she she wants to be in the Peace Corps. Oh, okay. So, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> she she really is interested in social justice issues, and and I, I think that's something Brilliant. that yeah. is important it, for kids of this generation. And there's all kinds of things there to be done. I mean, there's way too much to be done, and so she's interested in social justice issues and climate change. And is that an interest that was fostered as well by her? activity on social media? Is it because of things that she saw online? I know that she knows about current events from school, but also what's online. You know, I think seeing a lot of the images of refugees and certain things have touched her deeply. And, you know, she got very emotionally attached to certain issues, certainly with the election. All of that was coming through over social media. Yeah, I would say that it's had a big influence on her. And staying connected to what's happening all over the world through social media, for sure. She feels yeah. connected to, you know, kind of being a citizen of the world. The world yeah. yeah. It's, it's, well, at least if, if that's what's kind of struck her as opposed to the, uh, the other side where many others are also seeing social media as a way by which they can reinforce their own identities right. and go, you know, right most of the spectrum and be more like, this is ours, you stay out. Uh, yes. Is that influence from home, you think, that you have shown her a different path you know what i'd i'd love to believe that because that's something i feel so passionately about i really believe that you know kindness and and empathy and caring about what's going on in the world and um, social justice and civil rights all those things are extremely important to me so i'd like to believe that she didn't fall far from the tree <laughs> um, that she learned that at home I'd like to believe yes because there's so much uh, anger and hate and bullying as well online I mean there are yeah. the trolls and it's just it's vicious precisely because of the uh, the veil of anonymity yes that social media grants them I think so I think you can be more bold and more aggressive when you're you know just kind of festering at home and maybe have some deep wounds that you haven't really dealt with as a person and you're taking it out on others who whose faces you can't necessarily see. I mean, I know for myself, sometimes I have road rage and I don't, I, but as soon as I look into the person's eyes that I'm angry with, I'm like, oh, you know, yeah. I have kind of empathy for them as a human being. And so with social media, if it's just a name on a screen or just all of these words typed out or even images, but a person you don't know, I think it's easier to be cruel. And so I think it's it's a lot easier to, we, we live in a culture where there's a lot of bullying going on and certainly a lot of that happens online. Do you reckon it's really um, social media exacerbates or heightens what is already present in the culture as opposed to creating a culture where such things can happen. I absolutely believe that. I mean, I am just, I I really strongly believe that what's coming up in our nation right now and on 
social media and a lot of the bullying and a lot of the cruelty and hatred is something that has been here for hundreds and hundreds of years, has been here for centuries. Uh, that's a whole other topic that right. I feel extremely <laughs> yes. passionately about. Okay. But yes, I, I do feel like there's kind of a polarization. And so if you're going to hold on to bullying and especially things like white supremacy and everything that goes along with that or misogyny or heterosexism, all, all of those things, you know, they've been here for centuries. Our country was kind of founded on those things. And so those things can be passed around more easily now. But at the same time, we're getting connected to causes and 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 things that we can get involved in that are, are shown on social media ways to get involved if you if you want to fight right. some of that bullying that's been happening in our culture for all these years where do you see all this heading in terms of the effects on the general mental health and the, how social media has definitely ingrained itself into everyday life is this something that's just going to take over to the point where reality itself will not exist without it? I mean, how, how do you see this playing out? Because this, this generation that's going to come up now and, and be the ones running the world soon will be the generation that grew up knowing nothing else. Exactly. You know, I try not to spiral into like some kind of dystopian ideas <laughs> that are terrifying about humanity. But you can't help it. No, but I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I... I I do, again, on social media, I, I like to believe that it's something that can connect us all, that it's something that can connect us all to our humanity and to, to reach out to people all over the world, to, to feel the suffering and, and empathy for people all over the world. Not to, While it can kind of perpetuate an isolationism, I think it can also be used to connect us to each other as human beings. So I'm really hoping, I don't know how it will go, but I'm hoping and I really want to hold on to a belief that as human beings, we can use it because it's here to stay clearly that we can use it to become more connected, more related to each other as people, as opposed to just the isolation that it, that it could draw us all into. You were saying to go through, for example, midlife or this mm -hmm. transition of yours into a new career in a world such as this, where there is social media, what has stood out for you or what things have, have, you know, made a difference for you, for example? I think it's it's been really good for me to, again, look inward and not compare myself to where other people are, um, to what other people look like. I mean, it's so easy to go down that trail where I feel like I'm an adolescent again and comparing myself and feeling those old insecurities it can really it can really stir those things up so as a therapist I really feel like my well my passion but also my ethical responsibility for the rest of my life will be to work on myself to look inward to look at myself to to ask these questions of myself to remain curious about what these things in social media do stir up in me because it's it's going to stir things up in all of us. So I would say I'm I'm affected. I kind of am affected in many ways, probably like a lot of people are. And I just have to notice, wow, that really made me feel something strong. Why? <laughs> Why? Right. What's your advice to people who do feel that same way? For example, will see something on Facebook and be like, oh, 
Well, they all got together and didn't tell I me. I know. Or, you know, well, she doesn't she look good for our age? <laughs> right, exactly. <You> know? <laughs> I mean, it, it's really, it's everywhere. And I would say, you know, one thing I'm really working on in my own life that's helped is self-compassion. That's not something that we're really taught from an early age. But I think self-compassion and mindfulness, they're both really important. So again, to notice, even in my body, if my heart starts beating fast, if my face gets flushed when I see something online and immediately I feel a feeling, you know, that's not a good one. Like, oh, should I be doing that with my life or should I be that much farther along? Or wow, how, how did they make that thing that looks amazing and why can't I do that? To first of all, have compassion, if I can, slow myself down enough to say, okay, I just had a really strong reaction and of course I did. Of course I did because I'm evaluating myself, I'm comparing myself. Okay, so kind of what what would I say to someone I loved a lot? Well, come here, let me just hold you for a minute and, and let's talk about like what exactly is going on. Why did that make you feel so left out or why did that make you feel so bad or why did that make you feel so inadequate? So self-compassion, again, I'll be in my own therapy for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And just really using social media to kind of as a self-reflective tool. It's all about being present in I the moment. So. And that means being real, putting yes. down the machines for a while and dealing with other people face to face. Yeah. And, and, and having this conversation about how social media, not pretending like it doesn't affect us or trying to be higher than it because it's here to stay but it really does it really does affect us deeply i mean and then we haven't even gotten into all the dating apps and all oh, of that exactly. you know i mean just just being swiped one way or the other and that determines who you are i mean there's so much to this that um, but i think a lot of it comes down to self-compassion presence mindfulness there are a lot of old school human answers that we have that have also been available to us for centuries mm -hmm. and the goodness and the innate you know goodness that we have as people because you remind me on the other side of it there's the pressure apparently for those with many many likers and many many uh, followers that pressure to perform oh my constantly it's a whole I, different kind of pressure it is such a different it's a persona that once you create you have to continue to perpetuate and then you know you have to you have to keep up with it it's I almost like you're chasing yourself chasing yourself you know you create this person and then you have to live up to that person and then it's like shadow boxing with yourself i mean you're not really that person that's not who you really are maybe you know and then kind of like wow i'm i'm showing these pictures of my life and deep inside I'm you know having an existential crisis and feeling <laughs> isolated alone and yeah. that's another issue that really comes up with a lot of people it's it's almost it's not like being famous but it is in a yes. way there is kind of a certain fame that people can find or chase from the privacy of their own homes now and it's very strange yes because I, I i remember having a conversation once with someone and they were talking about oh well i have to post this now because you know my fans will be expecting it and this wasn't like an, an actor or anything, yeah. Yeah, an athlete. It was an, you know, a, let's, what we will call a just a, an ordinary person right. who doesn't have one of those professions that seeks fame. And they referred to their followers as fans. Yeah. And I just went, oh my gosh, like you, you're thinking differently already. It is. And I know that our neurons are, are formed by the thoughts that we think and the things that are around us and people growing up with this 
their brains are being affected by this way of thinking, you know, constantly checking to see what the public is thinking of them. And that's not something a lot of us who are in our 40s had to grow up with. Of course, there there are people in our age group who do have mm-hmm. fans and followers. <laughs> but I think it can also be so fickle. And that's the thing that causes anxiety is having to keep up the, these images, having to kind of think three steps ahead. What do people expect from me? And mm-hmm. a lot of us, you know, who grew up and are now in our 40s or, or older, we did that on a small scale, you know, in our adolescence and early adulthood. We had to think about what are people thinking of me and mm-hmm. what's my identity when I'm alone? What's my persona that I show to the public? But we didn't have to do it in front of the entire world with access and search words and it's insane. To- it's made it more complex than that concept of identity now, yes. hasn't it? it? It really isn't. A lot of times is not just a personal issue anymore. It's kind of a public issue, the issue of identity, which I think adds a whole other layer of, of stress to people. Just trying to figure out who you are alone is really hard. And it's the task of every human being. But having to do that and then constantly being evaluated online all the time, that adds layers and layers and layers to the stress of this. Have you met with people who might have had already uh, psychotic breaks or, or, or uh, you know, uh, been terribly affected, maybe depression because of this? Yes. I do a lot of deconstructing of the, of the, of the <laughs> discourses that are that are given to us, especially on social media that, you know, really says that our worth really has to do with how others see us. And that's something that's always been around for humans to contend with, but especially now on social media where, like you said, you can actually quantify by the amount of likes or views or followers or friends or retweets or, you know, reposts, you can actually quantify how you're doing as a human being. And it it, it gets to be too much for some people. So it's all about, again, you know, spending time with people building up a strength inside an internal strength that if this all crashed and went away, you just you you kind of face yourself, you sit alone with yourself, and you kind of quiet all the rest of this down for a little bit, knowing that it'll be there when you come back, but kind of stabilizing someone inside and stabilizing their identity, as far as who they are when no one's looking, because that's who you're really, truly contending with at the end of the day, you're facing yourself. Brilliant. On that note, I'd like to thank you very much for spending this time You're with welcome. us. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation with Darby. And if you want her number and you need therapy, you'll have to get in touch with us. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very thank much for you, being Margaret. present. Thank you, Margaret. This has been lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Catch you all again next time, folks. Bye. Bye.